What's up? <laughs> now just recording a podcast. What's okay. up with Oh, not too much. You know what, though? What? You need a counselor. Thanks. So do you. <laughs> I do need a counselor. You're right. Hello. Welcome back to You Need a Counselor. Uh, my name is Julie Johnson. I am the president and founder of Heart and Solutions, or strength-based mental health counseling agency here in Iowa. So if you are interested in mental health counseling or behavioral health counseling or telehealth counseling and you live in Iowa, give us a call. We accept all uh, major insurance types. Um, and so we are definitely interested in helping you out. Give us a call. Hey, and Krista, Krista. I, hi. Okay. <laughs> um, I am the vice president at Heart and Solutions. So I'm in charge of the behavioral health department where we work with kids ages four to 18 on different behavioral skills. And we can go in home in our office or telehealth as well, like Julie said. Um, and this is our podcast, You Need a Counselor. So we are a podcast designed for people curious about counseling, but have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Um, our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent, and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services. Yeah, so we post on Sunday nights. So we just wanted, this is your uh, weekly excuse not to do laundry during the week. Batch that task. If it's Wednesday and you're like, oh, I should do laundry. Nope, we said, <laughs> we're giving you permission. Do not do your laundry. Go ahead and batch that task for the weekend. Why suffer through the whole week with laundry when you can get it done one time and put us on while you're folding those clothes, while you're changing that out. We will be with you while you're batching your laundry on Sunday nights at five o'clock p.m. And then that gives you the entire week to call your counselor. Or if you're listening to us on a Monday morning, you've got an entire week, call your counselor, get scheduled with them. If you don't have a counselor, call a counselor, any counselor really, and yeah. get scheduled with a counselor if you find something interesting in this podcast that leads you to know and believe that you do need a counselor. <laughs> so we are so excited to have our guest here today. We've got Suzanne Johnson here coming to us from Virginia Beach. And uh, she is the founder of the Grace Financial Coaching Company. And so um, Suzanne is works with individuals. She does this remotely. So if you guys are listening to this, it doesn't matter where you are in the country or in the world, you can still benefit and work with Suzanne on meeting your financial goals and meeting your financial needs and changing those behaviors, right? We are all about behavioral change. And Suzanne can really help you with those kinds of things when it comes to your money and who doesn't want to have more money in their life. <laughs> it's like you need a counselor. Okay. But you need more money. <laughs> so, um, so we're really, really excited to have Suzanne here. She's also uh, a person who has experience with counseling. And so we want to hear about that as well. So welcome to the podcast, Suzanne. Thanks for being here. Thanks, ladies. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Yeah, we're excited. We are. Uh, so what else do our listeners need to know about you, Suzanne? I am a financial coach, as you mentioned. I've actually been doing this for just about six years now. Went full-time a couple years ago. Uh, obviously, many of us in the counseling and coaching world sometimes start off part-time and then turn it into a full-time uh, career path. And it is just amazing. It's been so fulfilling. I consider myself a counselor for your money, for your relationship with money. Everyone can benefit from healthier relationships in life, right? So Absolutely. why couldn't you benefit from a healthier relationship with your money? My newest client, actually, I just signed her up yesterday. She literally said, I want to be able to look at money and not feel so stressed. I want to be able to look mm. at money and not have anxiety around it. And that is so true with some relationships we have in our life, right? If we have mm -hmm. bad relationships with our parents or siblings or our spouse. So you have a relationship with money and I want you to have a healthy relationship with your money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And money is one of those topics we just don't talk about in our society, right? So this is why we're so excited to have Susie in here because we want to talk about money. <laughs> we want to talk about the things that we're not talking about, the things that we're holding inside um, and that we're not sharing. And so Suzanne is a resource for anybody listening to let's, let's get down and dirty into these topics, these things that are holding us back from the goals that we have in our lives. Um, and money is a tool in being able to achieve those goals 
in our lives. We are very, very excited about that. So Susan, tell us a little bit more about what it means to have this relationship with money. Because money is, it's not a person, it's, it's kind of an idea, right? So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think your description of money being a tool is is the exact perfect way to describe it. So we talk about sex, we talk about religion, we talk about politics, but we won't talk about money mm. or mental health, right? Mm, we yes. talk about all these other divisive topics on a daily basis. I mean, we're recording this right after an election that still hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Don't delete every social media platform from your phone if you want to have any sort of you know, mental health right now. It's just crazy out there. So as you said, money is a tool, but we still have to have a relationship with it because you can take a brick and a brick is amoral. A brick does not have morals. We can take the brick and we can use it to build a children's hospital and we can take the brick and we can throw it through someone's front window and cause damage. Mm. From property. Yeah. The brick doesn't decide what it's going to do you decide what you're going to do with the brick. Therefore, you decide what you're going to do with your money. So you've got to treat it a certain way. You've got to treat it properly, or it could end up, instead of being a tool, it could end up being uh, a device for vandalism or, or ruin in your life. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you find that when you're working with your clients that if we're not intentional about using that money as a tool towards the things that we do want, that it kind of just naturally creates itself into things that we don't want if we're not intentionally building that? Yeah, even more specifically, uh, it, it floats away. If mm. we're not intentional with it, maybe it doesn't go to, you know, I'm going to be dramatic right now, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, if you're if you're someone who doesn't do drugs, your money probably isn't going to suddenly go buy drugs if you're not paying attention to it. Mm. But I can tell you, if you're not paying attention to it, it's going to go to Target. It's going to go to Amazon. But my newest one that I'm battling is uh, Barnes and Noble. I guess people got really sad not seeing the inside of a of a of a bookstore for Mm. a while, (laughs) Uh and all of my clients suddenly have become Barnes and Noble addicts. I'm like, what is going on here? Um, but yes, you, if you don't pay attention to it, if you are not intentional with it, it will magically disappear. Um, and that's where the budget comes in. People hear budget and they think, oh my gosh, this woman wants me eating bread and water. I'm never going to have fun for the rest of my life. I don't care if you budget $100 to spend on new books, but it has to fit into the budget. You can budget whatever you want. We just have to get it to fit within your income and within your resources. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that what you're talking about here too is something we talk about so much in counseling, which is boundaries. And the thing is that we get to be empowered to set our own boundaries on our time. We talk a lot about time blocking. We get to set our own boundaries on time. We get to set our own boundaries on energy expenditure on different things. And we get to, we are empowered to set our own boundaries on money and where our money goes. And so I love what you're saying about like, we get to choose where that goes as long as we're choosing. (laughs) And so if we're not choosing, then the money kind of goes wherever it is going to go. But if we're intentionally choosing that, but it's really hard to set boundaries, isn't it? Especially on things that like other people aren't setting boundaries for us, right? So like police officers are telling me how fast I can drive down the highway, right? So there are boundaries in place for me in certain areas of my life. But when it comes to my money, by the time I'm 18 or 19 or 20, that's my money, right? I work for that. I get my paycheck. I can go buy candy and cake for dinner if I want to. Right? <laughs> so, um, so talk to us a little bit more about um, the boundaries part and, and what makes it hard to set boundaries on money and what are some tips for being able to set those clear boundaries for ourselves? If I had a nickel for every time I told someone to go read the book by Dr. Cloud and Townsend yes. Boundaries, I have a million nickels. <laughs> <laughs> I love that book. Um, I think you really nailed it when you said we can put boundaries like on our energy and things like that. And I we live in a society that has taught a lot of us that it's not okay to put boundaries on ourselves and to continually give of ourselves and we don't know when to say no. So if we don't have those boundaries with other people um, or other activities, my goodness, right, how are we going to self- boundary ourselves when it comes to our money? How are we going to create those boundaries ourselves 
personally and then stick to it. My gosh, I mean, that's the hardest thing to do. And that's a lot of what uh, I do in my signature coaching program. GRACE actually stands for something. It stands for guidance, resources, accountability, communication, and evaluation. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing with people and their money. Um, I'm obviously providing guidance in the beginning. I'm providing them with resources of, for example, I've got a client right now who, uh, has not consolidated student loans and she's paying over 10% interest. I mean, that's insane. Somewhere along the line, someone told her she couldn't consolidate them. I'm like, no, you definitely can. So I'm providing her that resource. Now I'm going to hold her accountable to it. Now I'm going to say, Hey, did you go out there? Did you speak to that financial uh, consolidation company? And did you get those student loans down from 10% interest to 2% interest? And so I'm holding her to those action items and those steps. Uh, communication comes in um, with single people. I am their accountability partner and we're communicating back and forth. But especially when I'm counseling, uh, when I'm coaching couples, man, that is a rough communication boundary to break, right? Because I've worked with couples that have never combined their finances and literally the other one doesn't even know what the other person has in debt. A pretty powerful, sobering conversation when I tell them, if your spouse passes away and you guys both signed up for that credit card, but only she's spending the money on the credit card, you still owe that debt if she passes away. And a lot of people don't realize that when you're married, legally speaking, in most of the 50 states, that is combined community debt and you have to pay it off. So that can be kind of shocking for people. And then evaluation, evaluating constantly where we're at. Uh, I meet with my clients every two weeks because we move at the speed of money. Sometimes things take a long time to set up, setting up a Roth IRA or setting up new savings accounts so we can build sinking funds. And sometimes I'm getting a phone call the next day from a client saying, um, this just happened. Oh my gosh, what do I do? So I'm available to my clients at all times, but we're constantly evaluating and refocusing our position on their money and what we're going to do next. I can go into a session and say, oh, okay, we talked about this two weeks ago. So we're definitely going to talk about this. 60 minutes later, we've talked about something else completely different because it's come up over the last two weeks. And I think that really speaks to how much money impacts our day-to-day lives and all of the aspects of our lives, right? Because you you could be focusing with somebody on, on one set kind of task and goal, but pieces come into all the different parts of our lives, right? So if we have car trouble, right, like that comes into this discussion. Um, and if our dryer breaks, like that comes into our discussion. Uh, or if we have an argument with our spouse about, you know, grocery budget or something, Thing like that, that all comes into place. So I think it just, you know, that I think speaks to, or that experience, I think just speaks to how important this is to all aspects of our lives. And, you know, it, it always makes me think about what you're talking about with marriage and, and couples, you know, there are secrets in a marriage or secrets in relationships are there. They can really destroy that relationship. And I think that a lot of times people, we try to protect the relationship by keeping these secrets, right? So I remember, like, you know, I've had girlfriends who have uh, gone and, like, they're hiding Target bags under the bed, right? Because, or they're hiding receipts places so that, like, oh, don't tell so-and-so, right, that that, that I bought this. I'm going to say I got this at a garage sale. Um, and so, you know, I, I like, and I always kind of, like, thought it was funny, but then at the same time, when I think about that and what that kind of does to a marriage, it, it kind of perpetuates in the person who's hiding the receipts or hiding the objects, the the idea that like, I can't trust my partner. And that might not be something that the partner is contributing to, right? It might be something that we've just grown up believing because of other circumstances that we've had in our lives that I cannot trust other people. I cannot trust the people in my lives to accept me, to accept me to make my own choices about what I'm buying. Like, I am a grown-up person, and if I want to get Starbucks, I can do that, and I don't have to hide that from my partner, right? Now, if my partner has an opinion about that because it is our money, that's a discussion, but we can't even have that discussion if I'm not comfortable bringing that up. I think that your discussion about couples and marriage and about our financial life takes on all of these different aspects of our day-to-day life. And so if I've got a completely different financial life than my husband's, 
then it does make it more difficult to combine our lives overall than it does right. if we have to make those decisions together because we both are, you know, we're both on the bank accounts. We're both seeing what's going on and we're both, um, my husband and I use the uh, Good Budget app and uh, oh my gosh, I love that app. If anybody out there has not used it, it's amazing. Um, so we use that and we both have it on our phones. When we get our paycheck, we enter that into the different categories, right? This amount, every paycheck for property taxes, this amount, every paycheck for groceries. And then every time I make a purchase, right? I don't have to ask my husband's permission to buy gum, right? <laughs> but I look at the app and go, okay, where am I in my grocery budget? And and when I buy gum, I put that 99 cent purchase into the app. And then the next time he goes to buy something at the grocery store, he sees, okay, where are we at with our food budget? And um, I know Krista and her partner, they do something similar with like grocery list, right? You guys have like a shared yeah. <laughs> grocery list on your phones. And that's so like a camping packing list, right? Yeah. So, we have lists for everything. Yeah, these are just such nice ways to be able to communicate and be able to make, still hold autonomy and still hold autonomy of like, I'm still a grown up person. I can still make decisions within right. this budget that I've agreed upon. And the one thing that I will have uh, married couples leave separate sometimes, if there's a lot of guilt and shame around purchases, like you use the example of the Target bags under the bed, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot of guilt and shame that we have uncovered during our coaching process, sometimes I will have them keep their individual checking accounts. And what we do is we will auto transfer from the individual paychecks, a certain amount of fund money. It's very important that it doesn't matter who makes how much money, the fund money has to be equal. And so that way each individual spouse can spend their fund money right now. My husband and I are saving up for something. So our fund money is down to 40 bucks a month. So it's pretty slim. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of the time it's somewhere between hundred and 150 per spouse. And that way that spouse, literally the 150 goes into each account and they can do whatever they want with it. They can still shop online, right? It's not coming out in cash. So they can still go buy something off of Amazon, but they're using their own individual checking account that only has their fund money in there. They're allotted budgeted fund money in there. And that alleviates so much guilt and shame. So no one can walk in the front door with a bag from Nordstrom. No one can walk in the door with a box from Best Buy and there will be no guilt and shame attached to those purchases moving forward. So my husband is a race car guy, right? Like he works <laughs> on cars, he drives for SDCA, right? He does racing stuff. And there's fees associated with that every year, right? And there's car parks to be bought and there's uh, entry fees for races. And I run races, right? Like, so he drives races and I run races um, and there's, fees that go with, right? Like, so damn to damn, that costs money. And marathons, like that costs money. And so um, and so we set up something similar to that. It's the Dave Ramsey blow money, right? So we set that up and now he saves up. If he knows, okay, I need this car part this season to, for my Camaro, he saves up that blow money. And then when he has that amount, he buys that car part and I don't care. Right? And same thing for me when I want to buy uh, a new race, right? Or like virtual races now we're doing, right? So when I want to pay that entry fee, which sometimes those are like 40 and $50 mm-hmm. a time oh, yeah. um, and then travel there, right? And then like hotel, all of that stuff that goes with those hobbies are able to kind of come out of that same thing. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, my, my races are cheaper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get to do more of them, but that's that's fine because like you said, it's even, right? It's equal. And I love that. Everybody starts on the same footing and then we have autonomy. Like I can buy as many races as my money will allow, right? Or I can save up for a really great one. Right. I'm really glad that we don't live near each other because my husband would have his Corvette over at your house all the time. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. That's, um, I would say that's one thing that like that is, that's an expensive hobby, <laughs> right? But what you're talking about with those separate blow money, fun money, right? Hobby accounts, it just, it takes all of that away, right? And it, I know that if he's bought a car part, I don't have to be like, how much was that? And did we really need it? And I'll like, I don't care. Right? And same thing with the races. Like 
he doesn't have to worry about that. So I love that. That's a great tip. Now, so you uh, let us know that you have experienced counseling previously before. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Why do you need a counselor? I started counseling when I was 29. I grew up in New York. I was still living in New York. Um, Unfortunately, I was going through a pretty bad divorce. The divorce itself wasn't exactly messy. It was all the fallout surrounding the divorce. That was pretty bad. Uh, my parents actually blamed me for the separation uh, and they both mm-hmm. stopped speaking to me. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, that was what got me into counseling in the first place personally. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved to San Diego, just for a change of scenery, I specifically sought out a, a Christian counselor while I was out there. Mm. Uh, she happened to actually be affiliated with the church I found. Uh, it was complete coincidence. Now I am back, as I mentioned, on the East Coast. We're in Virginia Beach and with coronavirus going on, I am unfortunately still actively looking for a counselor because everyone is booked, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it is difficult to find someone who is taking new patients right now. So that is something yeah. I'm actually actively doing as we speak. Thank you for sharing your story, right? Because it is so helpful for people who are listening to this to go, yeah, like uh, other people go through challenging life events as Mm -hmm. well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that counseling process of this counselor that you saw in San Diego and kind of what happened there? How was that? Yeah, it was great. Um, I, the counselor that I had worked with in New York was uh, a Christian herself, but did not um, specifically focus on Christian counseling, biblical counseling. So when I moved to San Diego, I found a great church. I was searching for the names of uh, Christian counselors. I was like, okay, I haven't done this before. I've worked with a, with a counselor, counselor in general, a therapist in New York, but I had not worked with a Christian counselor. And I actually, her name came up on my search and I said, my goodness, that woman's name looks very familiar. And I realized she had actually been someone who'd spoken at the church oh, <laughs> numerous wow. times and I had no idea she was even affiliated. So she was excellent. I really enjoyed working with her. Um, I worked through a lot of stuff while I was in San Diego moving from New York to Southern California was a big change of pace. I am no longer on time for anything. I am on (laughs) Southern California time perpetually. My husband hates it. It drives him insane. (laughs) But you know, you, you have this mentality of growing up in New York and you, if if you're not on time for the subway, it's leaving without you, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's pulling away from the tracks and they don't care if you're on the train or not. (laughs) Southern California, they would start church services 30 minutes late. And I swear no one noticed. So yeah, it was a good experience in San Diego and um, moving forward. It's, uh, but I would say it wouldn't completely change my thought process. I, I would work with a counselor who was right for me. The person does not necessarily have to be a Christian or specialize in Christian counseling. I would just focus on finding the person who was right for me at this point. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because we haven't talked about Christian counseling on this Mm -hmm. podcast yet. And I think that a lot of people don't know that that's an option, but it is so, you know, for, for certain people, Christian counseling is so beneficial. What were some of the differences for you between seeing, seeing a mental health counselor in New York and then seeing this Christian based counselor? I would say the biggest uh, part was that during the session, um, and it wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't very prominent, but all of a sudden in the middle of a session, one of the questions that would come up would be, do you think that's what God wants for you? And that's definitely not a question that comes up in secular counseling. I'll just use that terminology (laughs) for 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 the conversation. And sometimes it causes you as a Christian to sit there and think and really say, oh, You know, I'm taking this from a scientific mental health, what is best for me standpoint and to bring in that Christianity and that spiritual aspect of it Mm. uh, is really, is really different. Uh, I am sure there are people who are not going to resonate with this part of the conversation at all, but I'm sure there's several people, like you said, if it hasn't come up before, Mm -hmm. they might not even know that that exists. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's not for everybody, but there are counselors from every religion. So whatever religion you are, there are counselors that can practice under um, the the framework of that religion. And that can be so helpful in working towards goals, but making sure that they're in alignment with your spiritual beliefs as well. 
So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome to hear. Um, and I love your perspective too, that, you know, this, this counselor that you worked with is, was a Christian counselor, but for you, it's about fit, right? So Christian counseling is an option and there are benefits for Christians to Christian counseling, just like there would be benefits uh, for any religion if you're looking at it from that framework, but also any licensed mental health counselor who is ethically practicing is going to be able to utilize your framework uh, in order to uh, work with you. So I love that perspective. How do you use or do you use that, that Christian uh, belief or your, your spiritual practices in your coaching, uh, helping other people with their finances? Is there a connection there? Yeah, I would say about 50% of my clients come to me specifically because they know there is a Christian aspect to my coaching. Mm -hmm. And then the other 50% probably don't even know it's there. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so really, like you said, it's about fit, but it's also about having oh. a professional that can work around what is important to you. Uh, there are a lot of causes that I have clients uh, that can, they donate to every single month, specific mm -hmm. charities that I don't agree with. Sure. That doesn't mean I can't work with them and I can't mm -hmm. say, I'm certainly never going to sit there and say, I don't think you should have that charity in your budget, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. That is not my decision. They are adults. Like we, you know, we were saying earlier, you're an adult, you can go buy Starbucks and eat cake for dinner. Like not <laughs> now. Uh, so I would never judge any of my clients based off of the political candidate they're contributing to, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of charities they're donating to every single month on a monthly basis, or a GoFundMe that they decide to help out with that month in their budget. So I think for some of my clients, it's, it's a non-factor, but then for the other half of the clients, it's a big factor. The Christian side of it, I would say, we look at the fact that in Christianity, we learned that this isn't our money. It's God's money. God owns everything. You are a caretaker of this amount of money during this time in your life. And how can you best utilize that in a way that God would, would approve of? Yeah, I love that. So, and I think what you're really touching on here is why it's so important to have that external person in our lives that doesn't have like a personal connection with you and your specific money. Um, and it's why, you know, going to a financial coach or a mental health counselor, somebody who can be very objective, the way that you're objective with your clients is so important because if I try to do a budget with just my husband, right? Or I have a friend try to help me, there are gonna be areas where we may not agree. Um, and so, you know, if I, uh, if I talk to, if I try to have a friend help me, right? Like that's a person that's in my life. That's a person who's kind of in my day-to-day. -day. There's an emotional connection there, or if it's a family member, right? I want to maybe look good in front of that person, right? And so, and I might hold back on some of the ways that I'm spending my money. I might not be as honest with that person, right? About like, oh yeah, well, I spent this amount on ammo last month, right? Like, depending on who that person is. But if it's somebody objective, a third-party person, you can say, Say, yeah, this is my ammo budget, or this is my, you know, uh, political campaign donation amount, or this is my tithe, without that um, sense of, okay, I need to change what I'm doing and who I am, um, based on what this person expects of me, right? They're going to work on what's right, exactly. And I love that part of being a coach and being able to be that objective third party, uh, sometimes a mirror, right? To, to show the person like, okay, this is what you're doing with your money. Um, I even had a, a client recently say, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm giving too much money to other people via you know Patreon accounts or things mm. like that. She was trying to support other people in her industry who were other artists and things like that. And she's like, mm. I, I feel selfish saying this. And I said, it's, it's not selfish right now. We know we're trying mm. to get your money under control. We're trying to manage your household. That is actually a biblical term. Uh, mm -hmm. You're supposed to manage your household. And if you don't manage your household's money, if you don't provide for your household, the Bible says you're actually worse than a non-believer. This person could not be further from a non-believer. Did I quote the Bible at her? No, absolutely not. I said, you're not being selfish. You're setting healthy boundaries because you realize that you need this money right now. You need, you need this income to make your business work. So we are going to be a little selfish right now, but you're allowed to be selfish as long as you're maintaining your household properly. 
I love what you're saying here because kind of another way to look at, at this is that uh, we have sometimes guilt about not giving enough, right? Or if we are trying to do a budget now, we go, okay, now I'm stopping some of the giving that I'm doing. But really what we're doing in, in the reframe that you're describing here is that we're investing in ourselves, right? And, and the, the outpouring of that or the, the hopefully the outcome of that is that when we invest in ourselves now, then we will have more money later on in order to support the causes and the other people that we really care about. Um, and so, you know, if I really care about the dog shelter and I'm giving that dog shelter X amount of money, but like I need that to pay my rent, right? Like I, I'm not going to be able to continue to do that and to do that at the level that I want to. But if I'm putting that money into pay my rent, right? Put money into my IRA, um, put money into these funds for later bond. I'm actually investing that money because I'm saving myself money. I'm saving myself interest payments. I'm saving myself late fees. I'm saving myself all of that money, which then over time is going to mean that I'm set up to actually be more efficient with the money that I do have in coming in. So even if I don't have more money coming in, I'm more efficient with that money. And so then I have more to intentionally give to that dog shelter. I think, I think uh, your point about the animal shelter thing is a great one. There's a, a video out there of a woman who got herself on a plan, paid off all of her debt, and she, during, during all this time, she'd been donating her time um, and a little bit of money to this animal shelter locally. And she found out after she had paid off all of her debt, got paid off her house, I think she had already paid off her house, <laughs> she found out that there was a mortgage on the animal shelter's building. She paid off their mortgage. Mm. Wow. Mm. Paid off their mortgage for them. And guess what? If she hadn't taken the steps years earlier to get herself out of debt, to pay down her own house, she would not have been able to make such an impact on that animal shelter later on in life. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage people to say, I always encourage my clients, um, if you're not giving anything to your church, to your synagogue, to your temple, if you're not giving anything to a political candidate, let's keep $25 floating around in there and just label it giving or donation. Mm -hmm. And that way, if somebody comes up with a GoFundMe page that you feel very strongly about, maybe someone in your neighborhood passes away and it, uh, very unexpectedly, and you want to be able to give a little something, put that $25 in there and just leave it there and see if you need yeah. it during the course of the month. Guess what? If you don't end up using it, you zero it out on the budget. You got an extra $25 to throw at your debt or to throw at whatever your next priority is. But I always encourage people to leave something in there so that we can make a small impact now, not, not stretch ourselves, not overburden ourselves, but make a small impact now. So we feel good about it while still chugging along in the process so that we can make a really big impact later on. Yeah. I love what a great example that woman is right of paying off this this yeah. animal shelters mortgage and it's so true it's do I want to be giving this amount of money every month to the bank for my mortgage right or on interest right like the first several years I'm literally just paying the bank interest like I'm not paying into my house and so do I want to be doing that or do I want to be writing a check for that amount not to the bank but to these causes that I care about, right? And the way to do that long-term is to take care of those things, take care of our own house first, like you said, so that we are set up to like, I'm not, I'm not giving this money to the banks. Like the banks are going to be okay, right? But uh, without my interest payments, they're going to be fine, but I can give free up this money there. And I love what you're saying about setting aside that, that specific fund every month um, to, and, and we have that as kind of a sinking fund. So if I don't use that money this month, that's double I can give next month, right? Or that's the, after that, that's triple I can give that next month. And it feels so good. Like you were talking about guilt and it does alleviate a lot of that guilt. And it takes, cause some of that guilt can take the joy out of giving right? Like if I'm, there's so much joy in giving, giving our time and giving our money. But if we're doing it in a way where like that's budgeted out and I know that like, I'm still going to make my mortgage payment. I'm still going to pay my rent. I'm still going to pay my utilities. And I can give this amount of money to this person because it's planned out. Then it's just pure joy giving that money instead of having that be dampened by, and now I can't pay my bills. Absolutely. It, it does alleviate the guilt and it also alleviates the um, conversation of, I can't do that right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that awkward conversation of, um, for example, we unfortunately, a, a young, call him a kid, he was 24 years old, uh, uh, an acquaintance of ours just passed away in a car accident over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we actually didn't have anything kind of set aside for that right now. But my husband texted me and he said, so-and-so passed away, obviously 24 years old. He had just bought a house. I mean, just tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I'd really like to give something. Do we have any room somewhere? And we did. We still had a little bit of room left in our budget. It was, you know, the the second of the month. So we really hadn't allocated everything out yet. And so we were able to to make a donation to obviously a very unanticipated um, final expenses fund for that person. So, yeah. So even that I don't want to say that little stuff, losing a life is not little, but those little fifty dollar donations, those twenty five dollar donations, just leave it in there. And like you said, Build it up over time. If, if nothing comes up that month, if, if thank God no one's passed away or you didn't find a worthy cause to donate to that month, uh, save it. There's going to be a hurricane. There's going to be a tornado. You're, we're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas as we record this the beginning of November. People tend to give more money around the holidays. Yeah, that's great. I love that idea is having it as a sinking fund. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And, you know, there, like you said, there's always something that comes up. There's always somebody that you know that's going through a hard time and you can send them a gift card or you can send them something um, just so that they know that you're thinking about them. Um, and again, that's just pure when it's not coming out of like your, and, and I, when it's not coming out of your essential, like I need this money, right? When, when it's coming out of like, okay, for the last six months, thank goodness, like nothing happened that I needed to uh, give this money to somebody else. And so now I can give this money to this person that really does need it. And how much more significant in your situation, this conversation with your husband, how much more significant was that giving and donation? Because you were intentionally taking that out of like, there are times where it comes up and you go, okay, I'm going to spend $50 less at the grocery store this month, right? I'm going to spend $50 less on my fun money. Really that giving then means so much more because we know we're making that decision consciously. It's not like, oh, here's 50 bucks. It's like, here's $50 and it is coming out of my fun money or my grocery budget, but, but that's okay because this cause is important to me. Right, exactly. I mean, I could probably shave $50 off of everyone's grocery budget and you wouldn't even notice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Um, And I I just love that idea of money as, again, like a tool, like, like you said, and a tool for our own goals, but ultimately a goal for helping other people people. Do you speak a little bit more about that part of, uh, of this process that you do with your clients? Yeah. I mean, that's really the most, as you, you mentioned, the most fun you can have with money, right. Is giving it away, mm-hmm. giving it away without guilt, without shame, without being forced to give it away. There's a story that uh, you mentioned Dave Ramsey tells yep. uh, <laughs> about an older church couple who they're sitting in their church and they're in their normal seats on a Sunday. And all of a sudden this young couple is sitting at the end of the, at the end of the row and they're fighting about something. And it turns out their electricity is going to be turned off. And the wife goes over there and she prays with them and she says, you know, it's going to be okay. And she gets their information and she slips a piece of paper to her husband and he goes and pays their electric bill for an entire year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, that's really, I mean, my gosh, like that's the most fun you'll ever have with money. Yeah. And the story even goes a little further that at the end of the service, either the wife or the husband receives an email saying that their bill has been paid in full and they have no idea how it got paid. They have no idea who did it. They have no idea who just put probably between a thousand and two thousand dollars on there as a credit to their mm-hmm. electricity fund, you know, and they'll probably never know. But that's really, I think that's we don't just budget to take care of our household and to pay off our creditors. Yes, we have to do that or we're going to end up in jail. <laughs> But the sure. ultimate goal is to be able to give it away and have fun with that money because we we want to be able to see the looks on a kid's face when he gets a new bike for Christmas that his parents couldn't afford. We right. want to be able to see the look on the waitress's face when we tip her $100. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to worry about tipping them for $100 because it's it, it's budgeted for us. It's budgeted. It's basically, it's your fun money, right? Yeah. When you get to that point where 
you paid off your debt, you've paid off your house. You can budget $500 a month to give away to people because you've got your investments working over here and you're building wealth. And now you can have all of this fun with money that you couldn't have previously. We get caught up in like, am I being selfish taking care of my own foundational stuff instead of giving money away? But I just love that reframe again that you talked about, about no, like this is the next step towards that ultimate goal of, I want to be able to make a difference. You know, um, I talk in my, on my other YouTube videos, I talk about um, minimalism and I talk about like when we're giving things away, um, the, the one question that always comes up in my mind, if I'm not using something is who else needs this more than I do, or who else can use this better than I can use it. And uh, the same applies with money, right? Like who else can use this better than I'm using it at Target, right? Like, or, you know, if I'm buying like knickknacks that I don't need, I'm not using that money as well as somebody else could use it to like buy a bike for their kid for Christmas, right? Or um, to like bring joy to somebody who really needs it. Um, I, I just love that kind of like higher purpose. And I don't necessarily mean in a religious or spiritual way, but just that higher um, sense of utility uh, with the money, right? Like, is, is this the most effective use? In that way, it's really not selfish at all because we're thinking globally, right? Like this $5, it could do this for me, which is like buy me three pops a week, right? It could do me that for me, or it could do this amount of things for other people, right? And be more efficiently used. So yeah, I, I really love that as well. That is great. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a healthier way to think about to think about money for sure. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the shame aspect. Um, I think that, you know, with when we see shame in counseling, it is really beneficial for people to, be able to talk about what's happening, right? And I would imagine in your practice, it's the same situation. Like I would imagine, do you get people telling you things that they've never told anybody else that they're doing with money or, or oh. that they're experiencing? Oh, I, I, I would argue that I probably get people telling me things in our sessions that they don't tell their counselor. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Because really, I mean, how often is money coming up in sessions for you for yeah, you guys probably right. not a lot um, right. i have had i've worked with one or two counselors where they were my best referral partners because they were like hey i just saw it come up a little bit but it wasn't something i could address so i, I would yeah. really i'm gonna have my client reach out to you um because this isn't this isn't an area that i'm gonna address in their counseling or i feel that you could as a financial coach address it better with them yeah. So yeah. yeah, it doesn't always come up. It's not always, um, you know, obviously I don't want to tell you guys this, but people compartmentalize, right? And they probably don't go into a session with their counselor saying, oh, I can't wait to tell them all the things I screwed up with my money on. This <laughs> they probably, yeah, probably, probably not. <laughs> they probably tell you about the bad behaviors, right? Yeah. But they don't tell you how much they spent on those bad behaviors over the weekend. Sure. Yeah. So there is a total other room in their minds that they have to open that door to somebody else. There are definitely times where I'm going through a session and it is all about the black and white. Okay. We know we're going to have a tough month in November. What do we have to buckle down and pay? We know the holidays are coming up. You know, we're still paying down debt. So let's just go through the numbers, right? Here's your action steps. There are other times that I have clients and we don't talk about any dollar amounts the entire time we're together. So it really depends on what's going on in that particular situation and how much that person uh, has opened up about either any sort of guilt or shame or just really any, any of their habits. It doesn't even have to be guilt and shame related. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I think counseling is important for every person, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that um, kind of parallel, right, that you're drawing between uh, working with a counselor and then working with a financial coach and how complementary they are with each other and how, um, you know, if, if you are working with a counselor and then this comes up, these, this financial need to have somebody specifically targeting that area of your life and your wellness and your behaviors, it frees you up and it frees your sessions up then, right, with your counselor to be talking about your mental health and your mental wellness um, and then frees up that extra space or that other space as a safe space with Suzanne or somebody like Suzanne who's doing this financial to really target in and dig in 
into these financial behaviors and situations. So yeah, I just definitely. love how complimentary that is. And I love that counselors are referring to you because yeah. that's absolutely right. We, we don't want to be stepping out of our counseling role and into a financial uh, counselor role and then vice versa, right? So do you find that you refer people ever to counseling as well? Yeah, definitely. I think counseling is so important for every person. I was just listening to uh, Dr. John Deloney yesterday and he took a call on his radio show and I'm, I'm guessing he took it on purpose because of, again, we're recording this around the election, a young woman in, in Southern California and uh, apparently she had had politics come up at a recent family event and she said, uh, it sounded very genuine, that she had really tried to focus on policy issues instead of character issues when it came to the people that they were going to be voting for. And unfortunately, her own family members um, responded, calling her terrible things that she is not, mm. uh, right to her face. And, and the reason I'm mentioning this story is because Dr. Deloney his answer to her uh, was, you know, how do I, she basically said, you know, how do I address this? Um, he basically said, there's not much you can do because, and this is the important part, everyone is fighting their own internal battle. You never know what someone else is going through. Uh, and that's why I absolutely recommend my clients. Uh, there have been, I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys, there have been a couple of clients that I said, I, I can't work with you until you guys go through marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I understand that you think the most important thing right now is your financial situation. It's not. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to do anything that I am going to help you guys with until we get this marriage to a healthier place. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have definitely recommended some of my single clients uh, look into mental health counseling as well, too. Because again, uh, many times we don't even realize what we're going through, right? We need this yeah. objective person, this either a mental health counselor or a financial coach or a really good friend to say, you're dealing with something and, and I'm not the right person. I'm not equipped to help you. So I really think you should go seek out X type of person. Yeah. And honestly, you're never too old for it. You're never too old for counseling. And, and that's a huge reason why I think it's important for everyone. Yeah, I love that because it, my mom is a realtor and she refers to counseling all the time because, you know, like this is where those things are going to come out, right? Like a lot of times she'll, she'll work with people who say, we need a bigger house. We need this. We need that. We need this. And, and really what's going on is some things that are internal, right? And, and we're looking for that external fix. And for you, it, you know, I've, I've talked with some financial planners and financial advisors and what you do is so different from that because you are actually walking with your clients and so you're getting to know what's going on internally with them whereas a financial advisor or a financial um planner right they're what you're talking about with black and white right <laughs> like here's the numbers here's what you need here's x amount you need to put into this account and this account and let's move this around and um and so what you're doing is really just such a more holistic approach um and looking at not only like yeah i know i need to be saving money right like everybody we know this right i know i need to drink more water like we know it right but if we don't have somebody like you who's going to walk with us and take things as they come with us and let us express how it's impacting us as a person, right? As opposed to like, well, then you just, you need to drink more water, right? Like those don't necessarily help us as, as much. So I just really love that because then you're able to identify, like you said, sometimes you go, okay, yeah, you need a realtor for that, right? You need a tax attorney for this. You need a counselor for this piece. For us too, for counselors, it's, that same situation will say, oh, don't ask me about your legal <laughs> issues, right? Like you need a lawyer um, and yeah. you need a financial coach would absolutely be something that we would say because the time that we're spending with our clients, we're not equipped to do that, right? They need somebody specialized to do that um, that really is going to walk with them as a person. I think that yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think everyone can benefit from counseling. My, I have a friend, Caroline, who said, uh, one time said to me years ago, if you're not in therapy, you're not doing life right. <laughs> <laughs> and like we just said, everyone is, has these internal issues, these internal battles. Everyone has something going on in this aspect of their life, this aspect of their life. 
and, and a financial coach is not always going to touch on those things. Just as a counselor is a mental health counselor might not touch on all those things, just as an attorney isn't going to touch on all those things, right? There's right. not one specific profession that is going to help you in every aspect of your life. Um, so you could you sit here and say that mental health counseling is going to help you with the majority of things. It's probably going to help you sort out the majority of things, sure. but mental health counseling might get you to a place where you're like, oh, man, I've really been misbehaving with my money. And I didn't yes. notice that until I went mm -hmm. through the counseling. And now it's not necessarily a graduation process. It's more of a, we've attacked this area of my life. I've implemented some discipline there. Wow. How can I take this discipline that I've implemented and, it, and use it in other areas? I actually find a lot of my clients while we're doing the financial coaching, uh, three, six months, even, you know, my, my signature program is actually 12 months long because money changes over the course of the year dramatically, especially this year. Yeah. A lot of them will go into a weight loss program. They will sign up for a gym. Mm -hmm. They will start Weight Watchers because guess what? We're, we're using this newly found discipline. We're attaching these behaviors, these new habits to our money. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this where else can I and we do it subconsciously but a lot of my clients do it um, I, I really should probably partner with like a personal trainer somewhere <laughs> to referring people yeah. um, but a lot yeah. of my clients will come three six months in and say hey I want to join the gym again where can I fit this in my budget I'm doing meal prep again and it's going to cost uh -huh. me x couple of dollars a month to get the recipes and to spend a little bit more on food can we build that into my budget um, so everyone can benefit from counseling because again, it's just building a discipline in a certain area of our life and then it just continues and, it, and then everything gets healthier. I will say like the connection you're making between these things is so real. Um, and like one huge benefit. So in February, I started, I guess it was like August when I really started it, but um, a weighted measured food plan, right? So like my, my, all of my lunches and dinners are like the same all the time and I cook on Sundays and that's, it, and then I just have them stacked in my fridge. But it's so nice knowing exactly how much I spend on food because I know exactly I know how long a bag of rice is going to last me. Like I know how long a bag of beans is going to last me. And when we went into COVID-19 and when uh, the stores started getting short on items, right, I was able to take a pencil and do a food budget of like, this is how much rice I need to buy to last me the next four months. Like, this is how much of this I need to buy to last me for the next four months. Um, it, and I had never been able to do that before. Um, and I was planning to go to uh, Massachusetts to visit my parents. That's off because of COVID. But it was really nice to be able to say to my parents, like, this is how much of this I need for the however long I'm going to be there, right? Like, this is how much of this I need for how long I'm going to be there. And like you said, it's that practice of I can set boundaries for myself and I can tell myself no, and it's still okay, right? So I can tell myself no to certain foods. I can tell myself no to spending money in certain ways. I can tell myself no to, you know, different habits, like to cigarettes or whatever habits I want to quit. And it's okay, and I can do it. And you're empowering your clients so much that then they take that empowerment into other areas of their life. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I always say, like Dave Ramsey, you know how Dave Ramsey does the ELP, um, mm -hmm. the endorsed local providers? Okay, he does that for realtors. He needs to do that for counselors because how often does he say, this is a marriage issue? right? Like you need to yeah. go to a good marriage counselor. This is a, this is a mental health issue. You need to go to a good counselor. I would be the first ELP <laughs> for the Dave Ramsey program. Um, yeah. And actually that's a great point because um, the, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Dr. Dr. John Deloney, he's yeah. a renowned um, therapist, uh, clinical therapist, but he actually just joined Dave Ramsey's team as a personality. Mm. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be some sure there is some legality thing where, they couldn't call it an ELP because it's mental health and they'd have to call it something else or sure. it's medical, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's been, um, he's actually been a guest on, he has his own show, but he's been a guest on Dave's show uh, mm. pretty frequently over the last couple of months. I think it's been a huge 
benefit to, you know, Dave Ramsey, if you guys don't know who Dave Ramsey is, anybody who's listening, he is the most famous person you've never heard of. Um, he has had the number <laughs> two, change your life. <laughs> he will change your life. And yeah. he's had the number two, top two radio show in the country for over the last 25 years. Mm. And, uh, you know, AM radio is not that super popular anymore, but guess what? There's a podcast <laughs> because there's a podcast for everything, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, watch his show live on YouTube every single day for three hours a day. If you know who Dave Ramsey is and you're laughing at the fact that people don't know who Dave Ramsey is, then you're probably the type of person that the second Dave picks up the phone or answers the line and the person starts talking, you're like, oh God, Dave's going to destroy this person. <laughs> <laughs> he is very cut dry. It is his way or the highway. But when it comes to stuff like mental health issues, there has to be a gray area. So Dr. John Deloney, like I said, he's been in this business for a long, long time, but now he's just recently joined Dave's team. The reason Dave now has Ramsey coaches is because not everyone can pick up the phone and call Dave and say, hey, Dave, I need 90 seconds of your time. Here's the minimum information. Tell me what I should do, right? His answers have to be very black and white. With the coaching, it's gray. You know, some people shoot me, um, uh, I am listed on Dave's website as one of his preferred coaches. Uh, and sometimes people will send me a message through there and say, hey, I just need an answer to this question. Well, if you just need an answer to that question, go call Dave and sit on hold for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh -huh. I guarantee you, it is not just an answer to that question that you need. There are 8 million questions that we need to answer before we even get you to that point. Right. I have a client, I've worked with her now uh, for actually over a year. Um, she lives in San Diego. Uh, I usually don't work with people for more than a year, but because of coronavirus, uh, we extended her program. And last night um, was the 13th month in a row that we had met. So she had just gone over the year mark. And she said, I, I said, okay, guess, you know, one of your homework items, one of your action items this month is going to be to set up a meeting with a financial planner that we've, that I've, we've already pre-selected. Uh, she's going to go through an interview process with them, make sure they're the right person for her. And she goes, she just starts laughing. She goes, this is why I hired you a year ago was to help you with retirement. I said, I know. I said, we're here now. And she goes, I get it. I didn't yeah. get it a year ago. I couldn't understand why you were telling me that I wasn't ready to invest in retirement. And here I am a year later, more than ready. And now I get it. I see it. I understand it. Because there was all this gray stuff that needed to be worked out before we could get to the black and white of, here's the phone number for the financial planner, call them, see if they're a fit, get your IRA set up. Uh, so it, it's really interesting to be part of that process for those people. Because again, most people think money is just, you know, a dollar symbol and numbers on a piece of paper. And it's not, it's so not. Absolutely. I love that. I love what you're talking about too, in terms of like building your team around you, right? So like, we need all of these people in our lives, uh, kind of like, you know, a basketball player, professional basketball player, like they've got their uh, sports psychology guy, right? They've got their podiatrist on call. They've got their nurses and they've got uh, their nutritionist at the games, right? They've got all of these people around them. Um, and for, for us who are not professional athletes, right? But we need our CPA. We need our financial planner. We need our financial coach. We need our counselor. We need our marriage counselor. You know, we need our attorney. We need all of this team around us. And, um, and kind of what Dave is doing is he's building that team, right? If you're a Dave listener, you've got Dave on your team, but now you've got Chris Hogan on your team for your retirement stuff, right? You've got Rachel Cruz on your team. If you're a mom, you know, so you kind of have this team around you. And, um, and I love that connection of like, you know, I'm sure there are people who come to you who also need a counselor, but they think going to one person is going to solve that. And same thing with counselors. That happens all the time. Like mm -hmm. They come in for counseling and what they really need is uh, a financial coach as well, or they need a CPA or they need whatever it is. And we're able to encourage that like, it's not one or the other, it's your entire team and everybody plays a purpose for your life. And I, I just love that. I think we're getting to a place in society where it's now okay to have experts. Yeah. Now okay to have an expert for all these different areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas before it was like either suck it up buttercup, figure it out on your own. <laughs> or you should know what to do with your money or you should know how to snap out of your depression. 
yeah. or right. you should know blah, 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 blah. And I think we're finally at a place. I think if you had said the term financial coach to someone five years ago, they'd be like, what the heck do you do? Now, most people are like, oh, I can wrap my head around that. I can understand that. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, that I think is important to realize is, is there's a, a common reason that you see people who don't go to counseling or don't proactively seek out counseling. There's still this stigma surrounding basic mental health management. You know, um, I also think one of the words we should stop using is treatment. The second people hear treatment, they think they're going to be in a padded room alone. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. To me, it's really mental health management. But if you get a physical injury, <clears throat> you go see a physical therapist. Right. That's not weird, yep. right? No right. one who's listening to this would disagree with that statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when you hear the term marriage counselor, again, people think, oh my gosh, they're going to lock me in a padded room with this counselor and a couch and my wife slash husband, and they're going to throw away the key because there's something wrong with me and I need treatment and I'm not like everybody else. Everybody else figures it out on their own. Oh. But again, no one is judging someone when their knee gives out and they need to see a physical mm -hmm. therapist. Yeah. <laughs> But we're judging ourselves and or other people when you hear, oh, so-and-so's in marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. um, so that stigma, man, that is, is mm -hmm. just, it, it still exists today. But I do feel like that stigma is going away slightly. And you, you hear the term financial coach more. You hear the term life coach more. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming more and more acceptable to sure. go seek out these coaches for these specific areas that you want to address. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you are aiming towards something higher, you mm -hmm. know, so maybe maybe some people do come to financial coaching because there are issues, but they may even continue after that into that next level because they go, OK, I've made this amount of progress. Now I don't have like problems, but I've got aspirations. I've got goals, right? And I meet, I want some support and accountability in achieving those higher level goals. Now, now I'm not solving problems that I have, right? I'm create, I'm the wave, right? Like I'm not trying to stop waves. I am the wave. I am creating these new opportunities for myself. I am creating these new goals for myself and I'm getting myself there. You know, I love that growth mentality. I love that. It's that growth mentality as opposed to a problem solution mentality. That's great. Yeah, definitely. And if, if I could speak to all of the counselors out there, um, and give them one suggestion. Yeah. Uh, I would say that sometimes I think, uh, especially with, as we try to destigmatize this, a lot of the stuff we do is on social media, right? I, I really would encourage financial coaches, life coaches, other counselors to show empathy and understanding for your clients, but don't focus so much on yourself and your experiences. A lot of what I personally see, and I actually coach other coaches now. So a lot of what I see is, is they will be trying to drum up business and they'll have attended a social media seminar or even hired a social media person. And the social media person is telling these professionals, be real on your social media page, tell your story. People wanna see you as more genuine. And that's great. And that probably works in like the me, me, me setting of social media, but it doesn't necessarily work in the back office and when we're sitting on the couch and the chair face to face, because not all of your clients are gonna resonate with your experiences. We need to mm -hmm. stay objective. We need to stay non-judgmental. Some people will, and I think you'll probably know that as a professional, as a counselor, as a, as a coach, as a therapist, you'll say, okay, this conversation is coming up. This person could really benefit from me telling my story of, hey, I paid off $90,000 in debt in just under three and a half years when I was single. Mm. And that will resonate with some people, but that's not something I'm running around posting on social media all the time. Maybe I should be. Maybe the social media people are going to come yell at me now and say, you should be telling that story. <laughs> but that's not always appropriate in the one-on-one -on -one setting, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like as yeah. professionals, we need to continue to be shining the light, not too brightly, right? We don't want to scare them. We need to continue to shine the light back on our clients and their situations because not everyone reacts to the exact same issue the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a, a coach post a younger, less senior coach. I don't want to call myself old. <laughs> Uh, posts in our group page asking for some help yesterday. And uh, he had just gotten a new client and um, her grandson was murdered oh, like gosh. days before he called her back. Wow. 
And he said, I, I, I don't think I can work with her, blah, 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 blah. And I saw this opportunity. Um, my sister-in-law was actually murdered last year. Oh, so gosh, I saw this God. opportunity to share with him, hey, I went through this and I'm telling you right now, you've caught her at what I think is probably the easy part of the grieving process because we grieved my sister-in-law had passed away, right? We, we, they caught the person who, who killed her. And then we kind of had this like period of time where nothing really happened. And now we're getting into the trial and it's bringing oh. up all these emotions, mm -hmm. all these feelings. And, and it's kind of, you know, my, my poor husband's having to relive it now. Um, it was his sister. I said to this coach, I said, don't be afraid to coach this woman. If she said, I am ready for financial coaching right now, even though I've just suffered this horrific loss, this might be a good time to help her through this process. Um, you might not have had the same experience. You don't need to be someone who's lost someone to murder in order to, to resonate with that person and be empathetic oh. and understanding. If this woman's reaching out for help in her finances right now and this just happened, she's ready. Yeah. You know, she's probably the most ready she's ever going to be. And she's probably more ready now than she's going to be in a year when the trial starts, you know, when this person gets brought to justice, hopefully. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid to kind of coach outside your boundaries, but also don't always push your experience back on the same person. That's probably what mm -hmm. I would tell people uh, from a professional standpoint. In that situation, you are giving that client the autonomy to and the the space to know and like the credit to know that if she's seeking this out part of her knows that she needs that right and it might not just be okay I need it because my budget looks like this right it might be like I've just lost all control over my life mm -hmm. I need to have something that I feel like I'm making progress towards right or I need to have something in my life like this and if she's seeking that out like we as humans we know what we need in order to process the things that happen around us and so I love that you encourage that coach to say if she's seeking this out we we can trust that we can trust that client to know that this is something that she needs right so I just love that again that autonomy that you're giving to that client and to all of your clients so Susan, it has been awesome having you on the yeah. show and we hope that you'll come back uh, another time. So that would be wonderful. Could you go ahead and let us know where our listeners can reach you? How can they find you? How can they get signed up for financial coaching with you? Yeah, the easiest way to reach me is through my website, gracefinancialcoaching.com. Right there on the front page, there's a calendar link, complimentary consultation. You know, as we've talked about this whole time, I, I am a counselor myself and I want to help people improve their relationship with their money. It, it touches every aspect of our lives. And through coaching, my ultimate goal is that my clients learn good, solid, strong financial habits and behaviors so they can experience a more stable future and carefree life. So I am Suzanne Johnson of Grace Financial Coaching and I need a counselor. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> so, okay, guys, if you are in Iowa and you need a counselor, go ahead and call us Heart and Solutions, 800-531-4236. And like Julie mentioned at the beginning, we post every Sunday night at 5 p.m. So save up that laundry for the week, do your chores Sunday night while you're listening to us or save our episode for Monday. So you have the whole week to prepare yourself to call a counselor or call your counselor and schedule for that week as well. That's right. If you have questions for Suzanne um, and if you have questions that you would like her to come back onto the podcast and answer for you, send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram at you need a counselor podcast. We will save those up and then we will invite Suzanne back so that she can address those specific questions that you have about the episode and about what it is that she does and how she can benefit you and not only your financial life, but all of the relationships that are impacted and all of your day-to-days that are impacted by your financial relationship with money. And I'm Krista Brown. And I'm Julie Johnson. And we need a counselor. And so do you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.